Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Three, two, one. <laughs> Welcome to the Talentworks podcast. I'm Shukri. I'm Katrina. And I'm Helen. BBC Studios is the production part of the BBC Group. So we're not public service. What we do at BBC Studios is we invest in and we produce amazing shows, both for the UK and globally. We make some shows for the BBC, but we also make them for the market, like Netflix, Channel 4, Spotify, Audible. These include Blue Planet, Pressed, Killing Eve, Strictly Come Dancing, I May Destroy You, Doctor Who, Top Gear. BBC Studios Talentworks are a small but mighty development team within BBC Studios. We work cross-genre and cross-platform. We specifically work with emerging talent, so we look to places like Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, people who are writing blogs, maybe people who've got podcasts already, who are storytellers and looking to partner with BBC Studios to tell bigger, bolder stories. In short, we play Cupid for talent and industry. And this podcast is about giving the floor to some of those talented creators. True to form, our guests are going to lead the way. They are going to be telling us about three pieces of work that have defined their careers so far. So who have we got today? Helen here. It's October 2022 and today I'm joined by Shu Shi Lin. And then suddenly got the email to say, could we call you and could we meet again? And then so we met again and they basically said, would you like to actually like lead the whole thing and for this to be about your story your story growing up your parents stories and for that to be told and I just cried I didn't cry in front of them but inside I like cried and then cried when I got home from excitement. Shu is a British-born Chinese blogger writer and freelance videographer who specializes in food travel and lifestyle content. So what's Shu's story in a nutshell? Well back in 2011 Baby Shu was studying A-level drama and was struggling with public speaking. To help boost her confidence, she created a YouTube channel and started filming short fashion videos and outfits of the day. Fast forward to now and Shu has amassed over 8 million YouTube views and tens of thousands of fans who subscribe to watch her travel vlogs and restaurant recommendations from places as far-flung as Singapore, Canada, Japan, Belize, Latvia... Barbados, I could literally go on about it for five minutes because Shu has been everywhere. So I know Shu as she was selected to join BBC Studios Talentworks as one of our meta-funded creators in residence earlier this year. So this is a programme, a six-month residency, where creators receive training and advice from industry professionals at BBC Studios whilst they develop a new show idea. So what are we going to discuss with Shu today? Well, we're going to talk about how one video took Shu from vlogging on YouTube to fronting a BBC4 documentary, what Shu learned about presenting from creating this documentary, and finally, Shu's tips for creating a killer TV pitch. Shu, welcome to the Talentworks podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. Of course, we love (laughs) to have you here. First things first, tell us about you and the kind of content you create. 
So I work full time as a social media creator and that involves me filming my vlogs about my daily life in London. It's about food, best restaurants, home cooking, easy recipes and also a lot of travel as well. And it just basically involves me eating a lot around the world and around London, which is the best thing ever. So how I work now is making like independent vlogs online, short form content on Instagram, but also working with brands to do collaborative content, whether that's branded channels or on my own channels. And that's through like hosted trips. Amazing. Well, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk through three of your defining moments in your career to date, which I'm very excited about. Tell us about the first one. Oh gosh, so I started on YouTube maybe like 12 years ago now doing fashion and styling videos. So at the time I was studying A-level drama and I was cast as Alice in Alice in Wonderland. And I was very, very shy. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to start making these little videos to post online to try and be more comfortable in front of the audience. So I just like propped up my little MacBook webcam, little grainy outfit of the day. With my little squeaky voice and then here I am a decade later. Hey I'm just gonna film a quick outfit of the day today and today's just mainly lounging around I haven't really been doing much at all I've been doing my uni assignments which is due tomorrow so yeah I've just been wearing a big baggy jumper and I got this from Primark and I think it's between 11 to 15 pounds around that, I think maybe 14, 13 pounds. And I got it in size 18, so it's really, really big and baggy. It's got a fair Lyle print um, and it's very, very festive and it's very, very cozy and I love it that it's still neutral. So you've got like polka dots, snowflakes, little pink hearts, which I really love. There's like a big pop of colour and I love pink. Um, and I'm also wearing some denim shorts, but these were actually jeans before, but cut up into denim shorts, so I like the frayed, torn look. Kind of makes it look more edgy. Baby shoe. Baby shoe. I love it. Have you still got your <laughs> denim shorts? No, I've had to leave those denim shorts behind. R.I.P. R.I.P. They were good while they lasted. Shu, tell me though, most people, if they were cast in a show, wouldn't then make a connection to, I'm going to make online videos to build my confidence. What actually made you think to do that? I think maybe there was like a voice bubbling inside of me before that I'm like, I don't see, because I watched a lot of YouTube growing up from like 2006 when I first launched. And I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me online in the UK, but I watched a lot of Asian Americans. And I guess like I felt so connected to them that I thought, oh, at that time, like, why don't I just create these videos? Because I'm clearly not seeing myself represented anywhere else. So then it went from doing fashion and style to then being like, oh, I'm going to talk about some more personal topics, me going through university, coming of age. And then that kind of grew on there. The more comfortable I got speaking online, the more I'm like, wow, I just love that this has opened up so many avenues and the opportunity to meet people that I wouldn't otherwise have met. And can you see the confidence in yourself when you listen back to that original video? <laughs> yeah. Can you critique it in your mind? It's hard to critique your own work. Oh, it's very easy. <laughs> you know, when like I watch it back and I'm like, oh, I'm cringing. But at the same time, I'm like wanting to pat little baby shoes back because you can just hear how unsure I am. Like every word I'm enunciating is so like intonated at the end. I'm like, I love pink. And I'm like, I don't know why I'm so uncertain. Like, I love pink. But at the time, like, I'm wearing this. I'm doing this. Oh, I'm like, and I can just tell I'm just so shy about it. But I'm trying to push myself. Whereas now I'm a lot more like just bold with it and just say what I think. 
And just to finish off this moment in your life, how did you perform in Alice in Wonderland? Actually, I didn't get a distinction because I spent the majority of the time behind backstage going, do you think I was okay? Oh. Like, oh. And she was like, you know what? You lost a point because you asked every single person, am I okay? Do you think I was okay? And they distracted everybody else. So yeah, go forth and be confident in your own skin. <laughs> Shoe now, if you went back and been, was Alice in Wonderland, you'd nail it. No, now I'd be like, yes, pass me. I was, I'll be the, and the right rabbit as well. <laughs> So let's move on to your next clip, the most significant moment in your career so far. What is it? It's the trailer for A Very British History, which I was a presenter for. My name is Shulin. My parents moved from China to the UK before I was born in search of a better life. I'm really proud of being British-born Chinese. Like many of us, I grew up in restaurants and takeaways where my parents worked hard to give their children good opportunities. Families like mine have been coming to the UK to build new lives since the end of the Second World War. When a community settles overseas, its first problem, of course, is to survive. In other words, to make a living. Incredible. Thank you. That all came about from filming a video about my struggles being British-born Chinese three years prior. And that was maybe my first foray into really divulging in something that was very emotional and vulnerable for me that I wouldn't otherwise have shared. So the producers of this programme found you through the YouTube video that you mentioned. Yes, yeah. So how did they first reach out? How did, you, how did that happen and how did you feel? So they reached out via email and asked if they could meet because they're working on a program about the British Chinese community and they wanted me to be a contributor. So then we met at this coffee shop in London and I think I just got so emotional and so grateful for for our stories to be told on like a platform as huge as the BBC that I was just like talking about everything. And then they were like, okay, so you should hear back from us in like, I don't know, two, three weeks from now. And it was like a month and a half later. And then suddenly got the email to say, could we call you and could we meet again? And then so we met again and they basically said, would you like to actually like lead the whole thing and for this to be about your story, your story growing up, your parents' stories and for that to be told. And I just cried I didn't cry in front of them but inside I like cried and they cried when I got home from excitement and yeah then that started 14 months of filming on and off just speaking to different trailblazers like industry leaders in the community all across the UK. And how did you feel going from thinking you were to be a contributor to leading the show? It was such a like a nerve-wracking moment, but at the same time, it just affirmed all of the things I knew I wanted to do. And I knew I wanted to go into TV. I knew presenting is what I ultimately wanted to do. And at that time, I was extra passionate. And I was like in the introductory stages of being really comfortable with my identity. I wanted to talk more about it. So for me, it was like, yes, this is the right step for you to do. And instead of shying away from it, if anything, it's actually emboldened me to be more of myself and take ownership of that. What was it like including your family in the documentary? That was so that was a tremendously like bonding moment with my dad. So me and my dad, we didn't grow up with like the best relationship. And I think over the years we've really, really worked on that and being able to be more vulnerable to each other, speak to each other more. And through filming, my dad was just like, I just want to be able to tell our story and I want to be able to make you proud. So we went over to, I know, we went over to Oxford where he worked and I've got a little picture with him and it was like, can I pose with the camera behind the scenes? And it was just like, my, my eyes are tearing up just even like thinking about it because it was just such a bonding exercise between father and daughter. And to be able to have his story now like, 
the time capsule that I can always look back on, I just feel so, so, so proud. And I'm so grateful that he took time out to help me with it. And how was it taking the step from YouTube and your own user-generated content to going and working with a team? Was there anything you were apprehensive about? Just whether I will speak too quickly and just mess up. Like, you know, when you just do get like imposter syndrome. So even if I'm like, okay, I'm telling my story, but at the same time, in your own mind, it just conjures up so many like worst case scenarios of like, what if I mess up this or what if I do that? And like on the first ever day of filming, we went to the Golden Chopsticks Awards, which is co-founded by Lucy Mitchell from Siwoo and Gokwan. And the producer went, okay, just uh, as a, you know, put you in the deep end. You're going to be interviewing Ken Hom first and then Gokwan. And I was just like, oh my gosh, it's like the legends themselves. And there was me like fresh on the first day, shaking and trying not to shake. But yeah, it was just such a brilliant experience. How is presenting a TV documentary different from presenting a vlog then? I learned a lot when I was presenting the documentary versus vlogging because there's very different styles of presenting. With vlogging, it's more like I'm just going to grab a camera and I'm just going to talk at it. And it's all about what I'm experiencing at that moment. And I just say whatever's in my mind. Whereas with presenting, I've learned that, especially on a TV platform, it's not about you at all. If anything, you are just a vehicle for delivering more information. It's about the people that you are interviewing and you want to be able to like better tell the story through their stories and the way that you interact. So it taught me to slow down, to think more about what I'm saying, why I'm saying it, the meaning behind my words. And I would say with presenting, it's knowing how to like slow down. And you know when naturally when you're talking to somebody, you'll say things like, yeah, mm, I know. And you're nodding along. And even in vlogs, if I'm talking to friends or like whoever I'm featuring on camera, it's so natural to just have those like vocal things. They'd be like, yeah, yeah, I know. But I remember doing that on the first day of presenting the documentary and the producer's like, I love that you're so supportive, but can you just keep it inside? Because it's going to make the editing so much easier when it comes to like, the sound bites and everything as well. If you've got someone like kind of not like interrupting a guest by going mm, yeah oh no of course like it just really really like disrupts the whole process so that's like the biggest thing I learned on my first day to be like okay so just furiously nod but off camera <laughs> to show that you're like I get what you're saying I'm encouraging to say more and I have to like use my body language and my eyes and my hand gestures that are non-verbal to communicate rather than just relying on like verbal cues. So when the show went out what was that like? <sighs> It just felt, oh my gosh, I can't even put it into words because it just felt so surreal. Like I never grew up seeing people being able to have like a one hour documentary about our community on BBC. And to be able to see that, it just felt like when I was looking back thinking, oh, six-year-old baby shoe grab the takeaway would be so proud right now. Just watching someone with a face that looked like ours on our TV screens um, because it wasn't something that I grew up with when we were working at the takeaway. And did you feel that doors opened after the documentary came out? Yes, yeah. So thankfully for me, like, I'm so grateful that through working with the team, they kind of thought, oh, would you like to now present a few of the Inside Out stories as well? So we went on to do that. And that was so scary. But it was probably like one of the best like presenter training I ever had because it was all like, OK, you've got two pages of script that you need to learn and we're going to be filming in an hour. So I was just in the back of a taxi, just like trying to manically like remember everything and Yeah, since that, I've tried and do more presenting opportunities and that leads me to where I am now, just working at BBC Studios as part of the TalentWorks residency. Correct, too, now. (laughs) So what is the third clip that you'd like to share with us? My third clip is my day in the life of working at BBC Studios as part of my TalentWorks and Meta Creator in Residence. 
If you're curious about what it's like to work at BBC Studios, welcome to my day in the life. Let me take you on a quick tour around the office, but first let's wave to the canteen cow. Oh, and the Dalek. In the canteen, you can find cookies, pastries, snacks, drinks, everything. And this is the ground floor. It's a casual cozy spot to co-work from. Right, now this is the floor that I work from. You can either sit at your desk or... You've also got a boost here if you want to do a meeting. You can set up meeting rooms. And there's one of David Attenborough, of course. Good morning, good morning. I love my residency because each day is different. And today I decided to design some assets on Photoshop. I've been writing and developing an idea for a few weeks now. And now it's time to design the deck. Shoot, you can't stop smiling in that clip. I can't <laughs> stop smiling when I watch it. I just feel like it gives me life Aww. on working at BBC Studios. I love it so much. Tell us, Aww. what is your role at BBC Studios currently? So I'm working with the Digital Originals team at BBC Studios. So every single working day is different, but essentially we are developing shows to open briefs. So it can be for short form, it can be for digital, it can be for TV. Like there's no limit to what can be created. So every day I could be like developing a deck on Photoshop or we're in like brainstorm meetings or we're writing up an idea and I just love it so much. <laughs> you said you've been developing shows to open briefs. What's the secret to a killer pitch? Oh, so I've learned how difficult it is to be clear and succinct in a top line. So being able to communicate your idea in one line. I think that is an art and that is such a skill set that every time I'm in the office and I hear the team's top lines, I'm like, wow, that says so much and so little. So I'd say being able to be clear, succinct, but engaging and being able to say what you're about in as few as many words as possible. And also to remember that the people reading it are people as well. So sometimes I get a tendency to be super flowery and I seem like I've just like coughed up a thesaurus, but actually you want it to be in an engaging, clear way where people read it and think, oh, I can just tell that the writer behind this is super passionate and I want to find out more about this subject that I didn't even know anything about. And has your approach to your creative career changed in the six months that you've been on this scheme? Yes. So I came in here thinking, oh, I just want to only polish my, not polish, but like, you know, really learn how to be a better presenter. And now since the six months, in such a short amount of time, it's now opened up so many different avenues of what I can actually pursue like now I'm like don't want to just be a presenter I want to also be a better writer a better development producer and it's opened up my eyes to the world of TV and so much that happens behind the scenes and so much talent that we may not otherwise know as a viewer when we see a show come to light so now it's now like thinking oh no I just can't decide what I want to do because I want to do everything because I love it so much I think also knowing how to develop a show or seeing yeah. how a show starts from the beginning yeah. will make you a better presenter. Mm, yeah, exactly. And what do you think you've learned from the residency? I've learned so many like creative skills outside of what I thought was possible. So developing ideas, I've learned to harness my creativity. I've learned to be able to be more confident in how I'm expressing ideas, be a better public speaker as well, because a lot of it is having to pitch in front of others. So it's a different way of presenting information to other people. How do you better present ideas to people? Well, I think passion, expression, like instead of like being in your own mind, always just let that emotion out of you, like instead of just keeping it inside, I think. So I was just like, you know, what? I'm just going to just, yeah, I think people just love passion. People can tell it when you just love what you do. 
So we ask every guest to look into the crystal ball Ooh, yeah. and see their future. Yeah. What do you see for Shu? I see so much, a lot of commas. So I want to be able to continue harnessing like the skills I'm learning as a development producer at the moment in TV. But I also want to present a food and travel log, but using food and travel as a way to actually further connect with lots of other people to tell their stories from other communities. And also, you know, brackets, just be able to continue eating around the world and just dress it up really nicely. And also, this is a really rogue one, but I have really bad dance moves. One day, maybe I'll be on Strictly and perform those dance moves. I'm just going to put that one out there. Manifest it. Manifest it. I see my dad moves on a screen. That's incredible. <laughs> Shu, I feel like, one, you've taught me so much during this conversation. You also taught me camera eats first when you, yeah. um, whenever you have a meal. So I've, I've learned from you in so many ways in my life. Oh. So thank you so much for coming and chatting to us. And I can't wait to see your career flourish. Oh, thank you, Helen. It's always been such a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you're interested in knowing more about Shu, you can find her on Instagram at Deja Shu. You can also find us at BBC Studios TalentWorks. This has been a Curly Media production on behalf of BBC Studios. See you next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.